All right, everyone, it is my pleasure to be joined by Jake Claver here this morning. He is the creator of the Beyond Broke Mastermind. We're going to get a chance to talk about that, but we're going to start by going through kind of the current events on a geopolitical level with Jake, his thoughts on that situation before we bring it back home to the United States. We have the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit, a little couple updates on that. We'll give you a couple predictions, and then we're going to talk about some interesting conversations that Jake has been having with PolySign and some other big hitters and some connections, patents that we found. And this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to go through it, and then we'll finish up by talking about the timeline. You know, how much longer are we going to have to be in this staged SEC lawsuit how much longer does the dollar have before we have to reset, restructure this whole system? So much happening. And uh, what a what a perfect time to have you on the show, Jake. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. So, you know, on my show, we talk current events, cryptocurrency, and the greatest transfer of wealth in world history. And so we're going to start with the geopolitical de-dollarization process that's underway Jake, what are your thoughts kind of on the situation that we have? We have a, a currency war underway. It has reached the level of a kinetic kinetic war battlefield taking place in Ukraine. Uh, we continue to pray for peace. Um, but what are your thoughts on this situation? We have dozens and dozens. Every day it's a new country that's ditching the dollar. What are your comments on this process that's underway? I'm, well, I don't want to say I'm excited. Uh, obviously, I'm a U.S. citizen and... Um, I, I love America. It's it's sad to see that this is occurring, but I've been preparing for this for years. Um, keep my bank accounts low. I have lots of gold and silver, diversified into digital assets. You know, like a lot of your viewer base is going to be all the things that you discuss. But yeah, the petrodollar is gone. Um, Saudi Arabia is selling oil to other countries in their currencies, whatever that might be. There seems like like you said, striking a deal almost weekly with these other countries. Um, and that means that they no longer need U.S. dollars in order to purchase energy. And that's kind of been our driving force to keep us as a supreme reserve currency for the last 50 years since Nixon took us off the gold standard in 71. So uh, with that, uh, you see, you have a lot of people that posture that, you know, one other currency will become the global reserve. It might be the D1 or the ruble or you know, one of the other BRICS nations kind of steps forward and their currency is adopted as the currency that the world uses. Uh, but I think that the majority of the people that watch your channel are going to understand that we're moving to a multipolar world, right? There will be multiple reserve currencies. It'll be a level playing field. They'll all be backed by physical assets, at least on the wholesale CBDC side. And um, it'll be a much fairer system than it has existed. The, the U.S. won't be able to export our inflation to the rest of the world. Uh, but that also means that our manufacturing will move back here to the U.S. So I'm excited for that. I think a lot of people underestimate the the economic boom that will take place as um, you, you have two opposing forces, right? The other, the rest of the world is going to drop our treasuries. Um, Japan is currently still the largest holder of U.S. treasuries, and as they continue to increase their rates there, uh, there will be less and less incentive for those individuals. In Japan to hold our treasuries uh, with the reset of this system. So you have, you know, the horrible catastrophe that is all of those dollars flowing back here to the U.S. and the inflation that that will cause. But you also have, you know, and this has become very apparent with COVID and everything that happened there, the manufacturing that we've hollowed out over the last 50 years and exported overseas, all that will come rushing back here to the U.S. as well. So it can be a very interesting time over the next five to 10 years watching all this play out. Yeah. And the, the main thing I, I think that um, what we're seeing is all these countries, you know, it's incredible when Saudi Arabia is willing to pay Kenya in their local Kenyan shilling for commodities and doing deals. It's, you know, there has to be a currency reset, revaluation, restructuring underway. Otherwise they wouldn't be willing to work with those currencies. Right. And so we're starting to see glimpses of how it's rolling out. And you talked about, you know, kind of uh, asset backed financial system. What is, uh, what is your prediction as far as the United States? Obviously we're both here in America. We both want to see this, this country, uh, get saved from uh, the central bankers uh, destruction but it does seem to be kind of a controlled demolition but at the same time is the united states sitting with something up its sleeve i.e 
we actually do have the gold in the vaults. I mean, Rosie Rio said that it's there. I like to trust Rosie, but we'll have to confirm that. Uh, obviously, DLT does confirm, you know, and we're going to get to see all truth will be revealed on the blockchain for sure. And we'll be able to track and trace it, which is kind of one of the, the positive sides of blockchain is that we can see who actually has the metals, the commodities. And um, what is your take on the United States? Uh, do you think that they're just going to sit back and watch this happen? Or do you think that they're working on something behind the scenes? I've had... I've been privileged to meet with a lot of different individuals that work within the U.S. government over my time in the space, and I'm confident that we will do just fine. Um, I believe that we we do have gold, and we may even have other assets that we will, you know, use as collateral um, to back our currency, whether that's the U.S.N. or, or whatever else is rolled out, you know, behind the scenes. Um, Hopefully, it'll be the Treasury that issues it and the Fed gets dissolved or is rolled into the Treasury. Um, you know, maybe maybe that means the abolishment of the IRS and a bunch of these other government constructs that have existed as well. We'll see what takes place. I'm a realist. You know, I, I learn about all these things, but at the same time, I have to play within the constraints that currently exist. So I'm, I'm confident that what's been negotiated, and I believe this happened underneath Trump prior to his removal from being in, in the presidential office. And I believe that he kind of knew that that was what was coming. Um, he had had lots of meetings with Xi and with Putin and with North Korea and all these other countries around the world. And I, I believe that what's playing out now, like you said, is the control of demolition and the rollout of this new system that was negotiated back when he was in office. And so um, I, I don't see, I was concerned for a long time that the U.S. would fall uh, and the standard of living here would drop with the implementation of this new system. But I'm coming more to realize that it's just the rise of these other nations up to our standards. So we're going to bring these third world countries out of poverty. We're going to allow them to play uh, with the big boys and sit at the table and, um, you know, introduce our technology and, and the, the standard of living that we've enjoyed here in the U.S. I think the rest of the world will come up to that standard. I don't think it's going to be a a horrible depression or any of these other things that some of the fear porn accounts kind of put out. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have it so dang good over here and we take it for granted. I mean, we have no idea. And um, what what's funny to me is, uh, like you said there, we have our fiat currency to export to you and we got woke culture. That's what the United States has to offer. And we wonder why our standard of living isn't going to increase. It's because we're playing games and we're not building real value. Right. And we had a participation trophy economy where everyone was winning. Everyone was putting hashtag entrepreneur in their bio and they st thought they were a real estate investor, too. And now that the feds kind of rug pulled this with a controlled demolition, we're seeing who's left standing. Yeah, you know, uh, the water has receded and we're seeing who's left standing naked there. And it's all the way from the crypto bros who built no utility, didn't solve any real business problems, but they launched a token all the way up to the banks and the banking collapse that we see. Now, this morning I was going over the charts with my Discord group and we were looking at basically silver and gold both started to break out in March, right when that banking collapse started. Um, what's been interesting for me, Jake, are you seeing and noticing how these assets that we hypothetically speculate are going to be critical to the new financial system have been suppressed for decades? I mean, silver is trading within a range that, you know, a 12 year consolidation range ready to break out. You know, some would say that XRP was allowed to run last bull run, uh, 2017, 2018, back up to $3.80. Um, but I would argue that it's kind of been suppressed. It's kind of been in, you know, it's not many people know about it. Like we're a small group of people uh, that actually know what XRP is, that actually know what crypto is. Um, but what what do you have to say about that that um, acknowledgement uh, of, of basically the suppressed assets here seem to be the ones that are actually going to run the new system? Well, if you were the banks or the people that wanted to accumulate a bunch of those assets in order to back this system, you would want the prices as low as possible. Right. Um, and that does a few things. So I want to touch on the role that silver plays in manufacturing and a lot of the technical goods that we enjoy. And then I also want to touch on uh, why maybe Bitcoin was, was brought out to the public in order to distract the majority of people from accumulating gold. 
right? So first piece, um, silver is used across almost everything you you use electronically every day. Uh, anything that's green, the green narrative that's coming out uses silver to conduct electricity. Um, and so if, if I was one of those phone manufacturers or any of these electronic manufacturers, I would probably have reached out to JP Morgan, who is the uh, largest holder of silver in the world. And, you know, maybe told them, tapped them on the shoulder and said, hey, I need this this product or this commodity to stay low. Uh, and maybe we'll pay you something on the back end so that you continue to make that happen with the spoofing that's going on in the market. And this is complete speculation. I just want to address this before we go any further. Nothing Even though it's here been proven is... now in court that JP Morgan's been rigging all the markets. Oh, in yeah. Multiple, multiple courts, yeah. So no, nothing said here is financial advice. This is all for entertainment and educational purposes only. Always consult with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So... AJ, can I make uh, one more disclaimer that this channel yeah, officially supports woke energy? I don't know what that is or how they define that, but we, we support woke energy on this platform. Thank you very much. <laughs> For sure. Woke energy. Uh, I'm woke. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So I, I believe that there's definitely been significant suppression across all these assets that you just discussed, uh, whether those be digital or precious metals. Um but again, I, I don't know that we would be able to enjoy all of the things that we do had had that not taken place, right? Like, what would your iPhone cost if silver was $500 an ounce? Be unreal. Same thing with gold. If gold's, you know, uh, some would say it's going to $50,000 an ounce, there are trace amounts of gold used in almost all electronics as well. So that, that bolsters the price of that with the current um, pay rate here in the U.S., which hasn't kept up with inflation since the early 2000s. Uh, we've basically been stagnant while inflation's been raging. Um, the average person would continue to be crushed, right? So, I, I don't, I don't have all the information at the end of the day, and so I, I try to look at things from both sides. Like, why would these institutions do these things, um, and what are the benefits of them doing them versus you know all the negative effects that everybody usually talks about? So. Uh, I do believe that they've been manipulated um, when it comes to digital assets. Again, if you wanted to accumulate as much as you could off the secondary market without causing panic or driving price, uh, you would DCA low, low amounts over time through secondary markets to accumulate those things, uh, not cause any significant price runs, um, and then be able to roll this out and have you know a lot of those assets or however much was needed. Um, and that goes along with the backroom deals that have been done you know, for the pre-allocation of some of these assets from escrows. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you that they've been manipulated and that um, it was on purpose. I, I continue to reiterate the two data points that are basically undeniable at this point, and it's the fact that the central banks have been buying more gold than they have in 55 years, and the most uh, amount of central banks are sitting down with Ripple. Now, does that mean that they're building their CBDC on the public XRP ledger? No, now we have a little bit of clarity. Now we understand how that works. But once again, it does not remove the need for a neutral bridge currency, right? When they have walled gardens for CBDCs, right? They're still going to need to interoperate with the rest of the internet of value. And you're going to want to tap in and you're going to use, you're going to have to use the XRP ledger and XRP to tap back into that, to drop, like David Schwartz says, hit that big red button and to tap in with the rest of the world. Now, we're going to get into the the crypto regulations in the United States and what we're dealing with over here. Um, but before before we do so, Jake, I wanted to ask you on um, the standard of living question, once again, our standard of living won't be increasing and it might be decreasing slightly for some, but we're still gonna be better off than the rest of the world or the rest of the world is catching up to us, like you said. Do you think I am uh, off when I call this the greatest transfer of wealth in world history? And for those of us that are tapped in, your audience, your community, what we're talking about over here, I think that we are going to be able to have an opportunity before us that will not come again in our lifetimes, potentially. And that's because not only is it a historical, you look at the transfers of wealth after World War I, World War II, and other major events like that, <clears throat> We're on the brink of that, but we're also on the brink of a fourth industrial revolution. 
and then there's more money been printed ever and circulating than ever before too. So when I add up all these variables and factors, that's why I say I don't use it. It's kind of become a kind of a, a hot way to describe what's taking place. And it's kind of a meme and the generational wealth meme is kind of thrown around there. But I really do believe that, like you said, those that don't, that, that you know, uh, don't confuse the facts that get on board, get on the train with Rosie Rios we will be rolling into a quantum financial system and there's a lot underway. The timeline's going to take some time, but those of us that get on board, our standard of living ain't going to be staying the same. What are your thoughts? No, on you, that? Uh, well, so let me speak to the fact that you mentioned earlier that there's not that many that, that really have a substantial amount of, of some of these assets. So if you want to pull up the XRP rich list, you can look at the amount of wallets that exist there. There are 4.7 million wallets globally. Okay. That's all of them. Uh, and if you want to be in the top 10%, you're looking at, you know, you own more than 2,000 XRP. All right. Uh, and you can look at the rich list for the other assets as well. You know, you got XLM, HBAR, Filecoin. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. XTC. Um, yeah. So just with that, though, um, the people, let's say it goes to 1000 bucks or whatever these crazy prices that some people predict on it, right? Uh, I'm I'm on that train. I don't think we're there yet. Like you said, there's a time frame that's going to exist before that pans out. But um, and if people don't sell before then, right? And let's say we got to run up to ten dollars, seven dollars. How many of those people that hold two thousand or the the smaller amounts or even the bigger amounts are going to liquidate? So I I don't subscribe to the fact that there's really more than a hundred thousand people globally that own a substantial amount of that asset that will get to participate in this. Uh, there's probably more people that own gold and silver. That will that will do really well than own XRP or some of these digital assets. So I, I often hear people, you know, they're like, they're not going to let you participate in that. They wouldn't do that to the public. Da 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 da. You're not going to get, you know, the, the wealth transfer that you think. Um, I beg to differ because it's a very small portion of the population that's even aware that this opportunity exists. Um, and there are other opportunities. So I, I I had a space on Twitter probably a month ago where I discussed the greatest wealth transfer in human history. And I completely agree with you. I believe that this is cyclical. It has been, if you look back or listen to Ray Dalio, he talks about the last five transitions of global reserve currencies and the opportunities that existed there at those inflection points. Um, and we're at that. We're at the fourth turning. If you haven't read that book, I think your audience would love that. Um, it talks about socioeconomic factors and the cycles that exist there that tend to coincide with the transfers of wealth that have occurred in the past. Um, so this is a large inflection point. It's going to be a change in the paradigm for the financial system. Um, but the other the other factors that I mentioned on that talk when I had it were there are hundreds of thousands of baby boomers that are going to retire over the next five to 10 years that are going to be selling their businesses that you can accumulate, right? These are profitable businesses. It's something that I work with in my consulting. Um, People will be able to acquire businesses very cheaply that produce high profits. And then you've also got the, the tech that you mentioned as well. If you're able to get in on some of these um, emerging technologies and start a company that's profitable and changes things and, and solves real world problems with them, it could be 3D printing, it could be AI, it could be smart contracts and blockchain. Um, all these are opportunity areas that are going to exist over the next decade that are going to be huge transfers of wealth to the people that can you know, provide solutions in those areas and scale those products. Right. So it, it's not necessarily just the digital assets and, mm. and the investments that we're holding, but there's a lot of other opportunities that will exist, you know, continually over the next five to 10 years that if we saw price appreciation in these assets on the front end, you'll, you'll be able to, you know, double down in those other areas I just mentioned and continue to accelerate your wealth. So yeah, the, the standard of living for the individuals that are participating in, in this opportunity will definitely increase. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, the standard doesn't drop for the rest of society like a lot of people are discussing. You know, and this just made me think I wanted to make a point, Jake. You know what I'm looking forward to most about XRP Vegas is getting to rub shoulders, shake hands with gentlemen like yourself and all of the guys and gals in XRP Vegas, there's going to be builders, you know, developers actually building projects on the XRP ledger. There's going to be plenty of influencers, but I don't think that it's going to be just like, <clears throat> oh, hey, who has the most followers? What I'm looking forward to the most about XRP Vegas, Jake, is where we get to connect network and talk about what we're going to do with this wealth. Like there's going to be a lot of XRP in that room. 
And if, mm-hmm. that, if we're even 10% right about XRP's future, we're going to be able to do a little something. And so, like you said, the opportunities in business, in real estate, combining it with the tech, this revolution that's here, our community being able to be a part of that, being leaders within our community and helping others, that's what I'm looking forward to in, 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 in Vegas. Not for, uh, you know, uh, who's got the biggest channel, but it's going to be about what are we building? You know, we, we know what this thing is. We know where it's going, but what are we building? There's going to be speakers from... Uh, some of the companies that are building on the XRP ledger right now. And just that networking is that's going to be taking place there, I think is going to be, um, that's what I'm looking forward to for for the XRP community. Yeah, same. Um, I'm headed to Consensus at the end of the month here, uh, which is in Austin, Texas, be a similar to developer conference for people that are building real, real things on blockchain and with smart contracts. Um, I consult in the Web3 space, on a few projects, one of which is digital title transfer for exotic vehicles. Uh, it's a billion dollar problem for the latency that exists in uh, digital title transfer. Um, same thing for real estate. You know, um, we're focusing our efforts there, but there are other people that are providing solutions like Proppy um, that are tokenizing digital assets on or real estate on chain. Um, and then we're also I'm also consulting on a project potentially that will deal with water rights and mineral rights. So the, the applications for this technology is endless and the people that you, even if you miss out on the amount that you're able to accumulate before this stuff is adopted, there'll be so many opportunities for people that are, that will leverage the technology or build businesses around it. Um, that'll drive wealth for them as well. You won't, there's going to be lots of opportunities in regard to digital assets and all these things. Right. Essentially you could own no tokens, no cryptocurrencies, but you could still build a real business that's going to use DLT technology to move the world forward. You could go to and help an existing business merge with this technology without even owning any of it. Now, obviously, pretty much everybody that's in the space uh, has a bag, whether they call it speculation, whether they call it gambling, or whether they call it a, a proven investment or whatever. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's been plenty of money made in the space, but I think that we're still very early, and sometimes we forget that when we're in the echo chamber of everybody that's already in the community and researching this every day, we forget that we are still early and that there is just a few, <laughs> a few of us relative to the whole world getting ready to adopt DLT. Now, since we mentioned that too, let's let's bring this back to crypto regulations in the United States, SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. The problem is a lot of people in the community are like, well, we need more builders, less Riddlers. Okay, that's fine. That's great. You know, I have nothing against the Riddlers, but I, I want to build on the XRP ledger. I already would have an NFT project on the XRP ledger if I wasn't worried about my butt getting drug into court to fight the SEC. So the real businesses, the real builders, the 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 enterprises that are going to be coming into the space need that regulations. This is what we're all waiting for. And people lose sight of that. They are getting impatient and they understand why, you know, why is it still being suppressed? Why haven't we gone up? Well, it's because we can't really start building on this until we have the rules of the road, Spe- specifically in the United States. That's why they describe ODL growth outside of America growing like wildfire and why they didn't include XRP on the liquidity hub uh, document that they just put out, right? It's because they don't have clarity. We can't start building unless you want to spend $100 million fighting the SEC like Ripple. So where are we at? I just saw um, before we hopped on here, Circle, they're going to have a representative speaking at a committee hearing next week. And there's a new stablecoin bill that's being suggested. So we're starting to see the Congress, federal government kind of come around to this in between battling over the the debt ceiling and all the other drama in D.C. How far, how long do you think it's going to take us to get crypto regulations in the United States, Jake? Well, there was a statement that, you know, Ripple put out at the end of last year that I thought was pretty powerful. And they said that 50% of the globe would be using CBDCs by the end of, I'm sorry, by 2024. So... I mean, we're four months in here to 2023. We got, you know, eight months left in the year till it's 2024. So that means to me that we're going to have to get, I mean, half the world could be outside the U.S., right? It could exclude the U.S. They could move forward without us. Uh, But with us being such a superpower uh, in the current system, and I believe in in the future system, we're part of the G7, 
we have the largest GDP in the world. Um, I think we're probably at that table and we're going to participate in the CBDCs. Um, and so that, that indicates to me that we're going to see that this year. Uh, is it summertime when Fed now goes live? I don't know. Is it, is it later on past that? Um, but I expect to see some action with that system this year. Uh, and, and along with that, it's going to come regulation. They're going to have to. So maybe it's MICA in the UK um, that kind of forces our hand here in the US, or maybe it's some global um, adoption that takes place or regulation from the G7 to the G20 that comes around and, and makes Congress or the SEC uh, make certain decisions and, and designations. But I'm pretty confident that we're going to see something within the next, you know, six months. You know, the wild card that I've been watching is the states forcing the hand of the federal government. So we just saw that Texas went to issue a currency that's backed by gold, right? And uh, that's a beautiful thing to see. We've talked about it on my channel last year, the Bank of North Dakota, which is basically the central bank of North Dakota. It's the only bank within the whole country that's kind of set up how it is and how they were trying to pass laws in their state for them to be able to issue a currency. And so basically the states are forcing the hand of the federal government and they're taking away the monopoly to issue currencies, issue money away from the Federal Reserve. So they're kind of help pushing this acceleration. Now you're seeing some members in Congress are pushing bills to stop the Fed from issuing a CBDC. I like that. I say that's a good start. And I want to remind everybody in my audience that I start from a position of the Federal, the federal Reserve is an unconstitutional entity that shouldn't even exist. And, and, you know, it's funny when all the buyback drama was happening, I reminded my audience, that's where I start my negotiations at. When we sit across the table from the Fed and we're trying to get them to buy our XRP for 50,000, my negotiations start from you guys shouldn't even exist. Well, we, maybe we can talk about that more later, but, um, you know, what we're seeing right now is exciting, right? This is, this is countries, uh, you know forcing the hand of the United States, moving away from the dollar, dropping our treasuries, settling outside of the U.S. dollars for trade. That's fantastic. Here within, we're seeing the states start to move. And you're seeing the states start to say, we're, we're going to separate ourselves from the mess that you guys have created over there in D.C. God bless Texas. So um, that's kind of the wild card that I'm watching for. Now, in regards to this SEC versus Ripple lawsuit, I know we're all anticipating and so anxious we can barely contain it for the summary judgment ruling i went through that list the potential scenarios that john deaton laid out like the five or six different scenarios they're basically all positive for secondary market xrp sales like all of them there there's really no instance where they get xrp in its pure form as a security Right. So that's kind of the conclusion that I've come to. It's just a matter of how 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 direct of a ruling are we going to get in summary judgment? You know, because she might just say that secondary market sales are off the table, that she's not ruling on that. Right. What is your prediction for the summary judgment ruling? And uh, I understand we, we are not lawyers. We're not financial advisors. We're just two guys speculating. But uh, what's your speculation, Jake? Um, man. So. Ripple hasn't affected the price of XRP since they escrowed the 50,000 back in 2017, which struck the bull run that, that we saw in 17 and early 18. So since then, uh, Ripple's done all these partnerships, they've, they've done all these things, and it's the price has just continued to go down. Uh, there was no correlation in April of 21 when, when the price skyrocketed again uh, with anything that Ripple was doing. So at this point, it's very apparent to me that there's Ripple does not drive the price of XRP, and it's no longer a security, if it ever was, of Ripple. Uh, and I think it was at one point, um, but it would be prior to 2018. So I think, and the FCC even said that in their documents, that you know after 2018, the correlation doesn't exist. Do you and think that so, all XRP was, or just the way that it was sold in some contracts? The way that it was sold in some contracts, right? So... Um, and you can position it in a way, and and I, because I consult in Web3, and if anybody wants to launch a network, you need a foundation that incentivizes the growth on the network, that has the tokens, that's able to gift those out. Uh, you want to separate that from whatever company is developing on the network, right? 
So Ripple Ripple did that. They had OpenCoin, they gifted it to Ripple, and then Ripple's been building out solutions on the network and incentivizing people to participate in those solutions by having contracts with them on the XRP that had value, right? So if, if they had just given it away for free and there wasn't any monetary incentive, then, then it wouldn't be a security. But um, to the question that you asked, I, I think we probably get some type of summary judgment that does uh, give us clarity around forward sales of XRP, and that may re be retroactive back to 2018. Um, and then, you know, the case that if, if it continued to persist past the summary judgment and there was no settlement, um, you know, the Hinman emails, if those come out, I mean, obviously, that's not going to be good for the SEC based on all the discussions that have been had and the time frame in which it took them to hand them over. There's something in there that they don't want to get out to the public. Um, that's, I think that's likely the scenario. So we'll get some type of summary judgment that gives us clarity around forward sales, and then we'll see all these institutions flood back in onto the secondary market and buy up all the XRP and drive the volume there along with the price. Yeah, so this is um, the scenario that gets exciting here is because in the middle of all this chaos, all the way, like I said, the crypto bros going bust all the way up to the banks, having their liquidity crisis, in the middle of all this storm chaos and the system burning down in the controlled demolition, you have this precious little digital currency that's ready to have clarity and break out and be one of the first cryptos with clarity in the United States, right? And so I, I just continue to reiterate to the XRP community, stay ready, you know, remain patient, remember what we hold. And um, what are your thoughts recently here? We have all this back and forth. Okay, uh, you know, David called out the Riddlers. He doesn't like this person. Whatever the, the, the Twitter drama is about today. I just want to re reiterate to the community and remind the community, right? If Ripple didn't believe in XRP and didn't need XRP, I asked a simple question on Twitter yesterday. Why did they invest $250 million in an NFT creator fund for the XRP ledger? Why would they, why would they spend a quarter of a billion dollars on letting, letting us put memes on NFTs on the XRP ledger, Jake? Can you answer that question? So Ripple's entire valuation is based on the, uh, the XRP that they own. Right. So that's the other piece of that, the escrow that they hold or, or don't hold at this point. I mean, that part's up for speculation. A lot of people say that they don't even hold the escrow anymore. Um, they really don't make that money, that much money off the products that they offer. RippleNet is very cheap. OK, uh, provides a very cheap and easy solution for people to send messaging within the banking system. Um, and then they've got, you know, Liquidity Hub and some of these other things. That, that do charge you interest and they'll they'll loan you or lease you the XRP in order to facilitate transactions. And there is some volume there, uh, but the majority of their business valuation is completely predicated on the amount of XRP that they own. So um, if you're buying Ripple stock, like that's what the valuation is based on. And their whole business model revolves around XRP working out. Like Brad in 2017 or earlier, he was in Japan uh, and he stated that their their sole goal was to make XRP the, the global reserve digital asset. Uh, if you Google XRP, it comes up with, uh, or you, you ask Google, what is the, the global bridge asset? It will tell you it's XRP, right? Um, so. Not Unicoin. Yeah. No. XRP. <laughs> no, not Unicoin. Um and, and people can come out with even better technologies than XRP. So I, I just want to say this. There might be something out there that's faster, cheaper, better, uh, but it hasn't been trialed for a decade. And banks do not move into something that they have not trialed for long periods of time or had a say-so in the development of. Uh, and Ripple's been having negotiations and talks with banks since 2012. I mean, they moved with the Fed in 2014, um, IMF in 2017. It's just, and there's photos. It's not like it's not documented. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I think that, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, what more proof do you need that an institution like R3 tried to get $5 billion out of Ripple, right? I mean, that deal says everything. And that deal, like you said, to me, is written and structured. I'm no legal expert, 
but it is kind of an investment contract because there was some give and take. There was expectations. There was profit. There was common enterprise. You introduce us to your bank friends, R3. We'll give you 5 billion XRP at less than a penny, and we're going to give you an option to buy it over three years. That's an investment contract, right? Um, that is the type of contract that, you know, Ripple might get in trouble for, and they might have to give good guy Gary a little check for, but Ripple's sitting on a billion plus cash and, and they're doing just fine. They're ready to do that. But like you said, um, what we see is there was 1,700 plus, 1,700 investment, um, or not investment, but basically contracts to distribute XRP that was released expert testimony from the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. They're, they broke those 1,700 contracts up into four different types of ways that they used market makers, uh, sold it to exchanges, and got rid of XRP. And some of those could be pre-allocation deals as well, right? But like you said, these banks don't want to just, you know, kind of accept the new thing that got introduced yesterday. They want to have some trials. They want to be testing it. And we know, right, the Bank of England, Bank of America, so many of these banks have been working with Ripple since 2016 and earlier, piloting the XRP ledger. And so we know it's there. We know an institution like R3 wanted to get 5 billion XRP. What 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 is and then we had Dilip Rao, an executive from Ripple, was quoted as saying that all of the escrow is going to go to central banks and institutions that are building utility on the XRP ledger. So in, in your grand speculation, do you think that most of that escrow is already allocated? Yes, yeah. So, I mean, even Greg Kidd came on DAI's, you know, show a few years ago and said that he had an option for a billion XRP at uh, three hundredths of a penny. So... Not a bad deal. Yeah. Right, yeah. Clarity comes around. People have these options, right? So yeah. maybe it's not pre-allocated yet but they've pre-allocated with contracts that people will probably execute on at certain price points. And so maybe they do still hold that amount of XRP and they haven't doled it out yet, but if there's clarity around the asset and it does become what they set out to do, I'm pretty sure that those people are going to go ahead and ante up and say, yeah, I'll go ahead and execute my contract for what we had negotiated. So yeah, I think that uh, the majority of it is likely pre-allocated. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's what's been interesting lately is David's been coming into the Twitter comments and chiming in and giving us, you know, some answers. Right. But what I find interesting is what he doesn't answer. Right. What what he what he still will not address. And that's kind of what the tell all for me. Right. He'll come in and say this or that. And he's very nuanced. He's very smart. He knows what he's doing. Um, but they won't come in and address some topics they just won't even talk about. Right. Now, a big confusion in the XRP community was the uh, central bank uh, private ledger, right? And whether or not that was going to be on the public decks. Now we realize that Ripple did, in fact, David is actually, his name is on the fork. If you go look on the XRP ledger, he's the one who forked the XRP ledger so that they could create that private version of the ledger. But I think people see that and they think that, okay, this removes the need for XRP. No, you still need the neutral uh, bridge currency, right? And, and like I said earlier, you're going to need that to move out of the walled garden CBDC system into the internet of value. And there's a few ledgers here that actually get things done, actually have utility. For me, I think that XRP is going to be one of the first ones out of the gate here after this lawsuit. And uh, you're, you're about to see some major deals announced that have already been done, uh, like you're alluding to. Now... I wanted to address, you had a couple conversations with PolySign, and um, let's just, uh, I want to let you share kind of what you were able to find out, because I think people need to hear this story, Jake, because we get confused, we get lost in the FUD and the confusion, the debates back and forth, uh, but you had a very interesting meeting with PolySign, and what did what did they have to share with you? Yeah, so I, I'm the director of a digital family office. We specialize in working with individuals that experienced a digital asset liquidity event. So you make millions in digital assets. Uh, we've got the wealth managers, the financial advisors, the estate planners, the CPAs, the accountants, funds and foundations that are all proficient with digital assets and also proficient whatever designation I just mentioned. So because of that, uh, we need a custodian. Um, so I was planning on reaching out to PolySign in standard custody 
in regard to that anyway. And then when they had the fireside chat between Jack McDonald and Joe um, at Link2, who's their COO, uh, he mentioned the three subsidiaries that that PolySign has. So I didn't really understand the relationship between PolySign and Standard Custody until that conversation. And they also mentioned that they had acquired MG Stover, who does um, fund management and also the accounting and distributions. So they're able to do all those things in kind, which means they are able to use digital assets and do the accounting and KYC and AML compliance uh, from wallet to wallet instead of converting it to fiat and then you know, aggregating the funds and then converting them back to crypto. So there's no um, fees that are associated with the exchange and you can do it all in kind with their services. Uh, so we we're putting together another SPV for the mastermind um, that'll involve a raise in crypto there. So I had reached out to them for the custodian services and also to discuss that. Um, and so I was able to meet with them and have a discussion around, you know, how their protocol works, the different pieces of technology that they have, their proprietary blockchain, and um, how all that works. Now, in doing so, you came across the little patent, and you sent me this patent, and it's cited by over 300 other patents. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of patents are cited by this patent. And uh, maybe I'll put it down in the description of this video down below so that people can take a look at it. And so how how is this patent kind of related to this the, the, these operations and kind of what they're building behind the scenes in your opinion so um again polyson has three subsidiaries they have mg stover they have standard custody and trust and he also mentioned in that video or interview with joe they had another third subsidiary called atomic net and, and the way that that works is you know you have two people that, that want to have a transaction between them and historically, it's always been you send this and then I'll send that. So like you send your money to Amazon and they send you the good, right? Uh, well, with uh, blockchain and smart contracts, you can have uh, an exchange that executes at the same time based on the stipulations met in the smart contract. So both parties will tokenize whatever it is on the blockchain. They will send it into escrows that are held by the smart contract. And then whatever the stipulations are in the middle of the smart contract, when those are met, it executes and sends those two assets to the opposite party at the same time. So there's no counterparty risk. Um, and that is what atomic net does. And Jack explained that, you know, in that interview. And so I was excited about that. I wanted to go see where that company was or what it did or, you know, how far along it was. So I went to Google and there is nothing. There's no website. There's, there's very little that you can find on this subject. And I happened across this patent that's uh, available online. And um, some of the, I scrolled all the way to the bottom. I was excited. I was reviewing everything on it. And um, it wasn't issued by PolySign. It had been issued prior to it, its existence, actually, because some of the cited patents that are associated with it were filed in 2014 and 15, so prior to PolySign even existing. Uh, so maybe it was Arthur Brito. I could speculate on, on, you know, who brought that over with them to PolySign, but it's abandoned at this point. Um, but all of these other patents cite this patent. So... There's Bank of America, USAA, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan Chase, um, Ripple. I mean, there's there's literally like 350 plus patents that all cite this patent um, and use it in some way in whatever they patented. So that tells me that there's probably been negotiations and partnerships that have been forged for, I don't know, we're to 2023. You know, some of them were filed in 2014. So almost a decade that this has been in the works in the background. Um, and a big tell for me was when PolySign came out and they started offering private equity through Link2. Uh, accredited investors can go there and participate in that raise, the equity on their platform. Um, they, they've come out of the shadows a long time. You know, I don't know if you ever listened to those DAI videos where he would whisper, PolySign, you know, <laughs> about it being secretive. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the people in the community would get a kick from that. But uh, that's how I feel about AtomicNet now. Um, and, and when I had mentioned that to them in my meeting, you know, toward the end of the meeting, I, we had discussed the other pieces that I'd mentioned. And then I you know, brought up that patent and um, they said, we have NDAs around that. Um, if we did show you a demonstration of it, you would have to sign NDAs. You couldn't discuss anything around it. Um, and but what you told us, you, you're doing some good detective work. That's all they told me. Um, and, and I did not disclose what the patent number was, nothing. I just mentioned what I had found in the same regard we had talked about here. 
Uh, and that was what they told me was I was doing some good sleuthing for their exact words. And like you said, what's so interesting is it all goes back decades, decades, right? I, I mean, look at David Schwartz patenting DLT back in 1988, right? Now we fast forward here and we all think, oh, Bitcoin was the first one. Wrong, right? They were working on the Ripple payment ledger back in 2004. Um, and so now, now you're seeing it come out. Now you're seeing Elon the Musk's little plans come out, right? With X.com. Now we got XAI just got announced today. And they just integrated with eToro to provide crypto. So in a way, yeah, like we talked about earlier, you got countries forcing the hand of the United States, dropping the dollar. You got states making moves. And now we have Elon the Musk with Twitter forcing the hand here as well uh, by integrating crypto into Twitter. I mean, what, it, it, it's all moving here so quickly. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, so to, to that point, you had Facebook try to launch Libra, right? And now that's become uh, rebranded as Diem. Um, and then that's kind of gone dark. They haven't really talked about that either. So, uh, yeah, these large social media platforms that have aggregated billions of users uh, are a big force. And if they want to move into the banking sector and, you know, issue their own currencies, um, they've got to see at the table. And so uh, you're, they're getting pressured from all, all angles. Uh, the U.S. dollar and the system that is, has existed for the last 50 years and the constraints of how, you know, people have gotten rich during that time period are going to change. Uh, people that have exploited debt and rode the stock market, and that's been their ticket to freedom. I, I don't know that that's going to be the way to do it in this future paradigm. Um, things are going to shift, but yeah, I'm with you. It seems that everything's kind of culminating at the same time in order to force this change. Yeah, and folks, like you said, Ripple cited that same patent five times. Right. There's five citations of Ripple patents citing that one. And you look at all these deals, right? Bank of America, Bank of England, all the way 2016, 2018. Um, and, and now it's accelerating at a rapid pace, this reset restructuring. Now, I want to say, because um, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, when you were talking about crazy price predictions for XRP. What I, what I I made a video yesterday and I titled it crazy $800 XRP price prediction because some guy on Twitter said that XRP was going to do this 72 hour scenario where it pumped to all time high and then did this and that. And then eventually after the banks went online, it was going to go to $800. But I wanted to, since, since you made a comment about the crazy price predictions, I think, and I've kind of changed how I think about this now. I think that the currency gets reset, restructured, and revalued before we reach 10K XRP, before we reach 589. I, I, it could happen well before that. We're already due right now for a restructuring of the debt, for a resetting of the currency, and a revaluation of everything, right? And, and so when people say, you know, XRP can't go to $50, it can't go to $500, I bring up this example. What well, used to probably be my great grandparents' daily wage of seven or eight dollars a day is what I spend in the morning buying my latte at Starbucks. This is absurd, and the destruction of the value of the dollar has been about ninety-eight percent destruction since nineteen seventy-one when we got taken off the gold standard. It's nearly a hundred percent since the inception of the Federal Reserve a hundred years ago, and so I framed the question. I said, "Well, it's not so much of how high can XRP go." How much can the dollar be devalued or destroyed before we get to that reset moment? They might have to reset right. the system by the time we're at $50 XRP, right? The sky's the limit, though, and I think what's coming in is a major supply shock for all of the suppressed assets that we talked about earlier. Are you seeing something similar? Like, Because we talk about the demand for silver and the industrial manufacturing and all that, but then we talked about the pre-allocation deals with XRP. So I see a similar setup. They're being suppressed, but there's also a diminishing supply. You seeing that with XRP as well? Well, I mean, so XRP is the only thing on the planet that's actually truly deflationary. There's nothing else that's ever existed that there's not more of every day and that there's less of. So there's a burn rate on the XRPL. Each transaction requires XRP in order to be executed. So the current burn rate's around 5,000 XRP a day. If you want to do the math on that. I mean, and they can they can change that amount that has to be burned if they, if they want to vote. Um, with the validators, they can they can change it to a lower amount. But at the 
current rate, it's going to exist for around a thousand years with the amount that we have. Um, but it is deflationary. I mean, you can mine more gold, you can mine more silver. It might require resources, and that's why it has value. You got to pull it out of the ground. You got to put energy in in order to get those resources. Um, and and to your point there, people are are mad dashing the COMEX, um, the, the withdrawal volumes across all these platforms for converting their their paper gold and silver and taking possession is at all time highs, like nothing we've ever seen before. So people are waking up. People understand that this is this is happening. Um, and yeah, that the the time that you have to accumulate these things prior to price appreciation, in my opinion, is is taking away very quickly. Yeah, so let's get into the timeline. So obviously, we all thought that the SEC versus Ripple lawsuit would be settled up by now. Um, and we thought that, uh, you know, the dollar would have already been reset and restructured by now for many of us that have you know, it started for me over 10 years ago, learning about the Federal Reserve and how they controlled our monetary supply uh, policies. So, you know, we, we've kind of been patiently waiting and we've been frustrated with the timeline. And we thought that, you know, Ripple and Brad Goinghouse were going to make us rich by now and they haven't. So people are getting upset. Uh, where are we at, though, with this timeline, Jake? We talked about the United States kind of adopting regulations, CBDCs coming in. For me, I'm looking at 2025 when we're going to see the new financial system is going to be really visible, right? And I, I think that we have a, another year and a half kind of takes us to 2025 of chaos, de-dollarization, new deals getting announced. But by 2025, it should be uh available for everyone to to you know acknowledge and try to understand but like you said like always the institutional smart money is always ahead of the game and they're front running so they're draining the gold they're draining the silver they've done pre-allocation deals for xrp more central banks are meeting with ripple than any other company right and so by the time it does hit the masses i think it's going to be too late for many but on the timeline i'm kind of you know, I'm still a ways out. I'm patient. I'm a young guy. So I got another five to 10 years of, uh, you know, creating generational wealth is the goal for me as far as when is XRP going to moon. Just remain patient is kind of my continued message to the community. This is a fourth industrial revolution. You're going to see trillions of dollars come into DLT technology, getting settled on DLT technology on a daily basis. And that's going to be a fun place for us if we're just 10% right about the assets that are going to be the underlying technology for that settlement. Timeline predictions are hard. Moon dates are hard and almost always wrong, right? But in the meantime, it's undeniable that they've been building this out for decades uh, ago. Now here we are, and you're starting to see glimpses of the new deals, the new currencies getting announced where are you at in this timeline right now, Jake, with everything involved? Um, I tend to agree with you. I, I don't think we'll see full adoption of like the Internet of Things and artificial intelligence and um, AI and, and VR and, and all those other pieces until like 2030. Uh, but as far as the financial aspects of it, um, and, and that's even for smart contracts and blockchain for other applications outside of financial transactions. But 2025 seems to be the fast track for, you know, the way things are playing out with the financial system and the implementation of these new currencies and uh, digital assets in that regard as financial instruments. So, I mean, again, we've got Fed now. We've got some of these other things coming online through 2024. I think we will see some pretty substantial price appreciation for the asset usage once we have more than 50% of, of the world using CBDCs. I mean, those people are going to need to be able to interact, right, across public ledger for those that don't trust one another uh, we've got sanctions against russia still we've got war between uh, germany and russia uh, which a lot of people don't even know about that they actually declared war on russia because of their depriving them of their natural gas and other energy resources and they're going to have to be able to settle those transactions in order to get those resources from them uh, i thought that you know winter time was going to be rough for them and i know it was um but the price you know, action of everything and the inflation that happened because they aren't able to get those resources. So they need a way to settle that. Um, and Russia is not backing down. They're only taking rubles or gold. So you need uh, some type of agnostic asset that can be swapped between uh, one currency and another that both will accept. And so, I mean, your guess is 
probably the same as mine on, on which one that is. But um, yeah, I think early 2024, first quarter 2024, we probably see uh, a lot of usage and maybe some price for utility. And then as we get into 2025 and beyond, you know, to those kind of crazy price predictions that a lot of people put out there for like, once you have the FX market, you've got the stock market, you've got commodities uh, all on the ledger, uh, real estate. I mean, they're going to continue to tokenize more and more assets and you're going to need something that is interchangeable for that value uh, in a public forum. And so, um, you know, we've got to have hooks. We've got to have XLS 30D for the market maker. Those amendments need to be passed uh, for the actualization of the price that people want to see for this asset. Uh, but we could see, you know, price in the short term based on speculative value driven on exchanges. If we were to get clarity at, at a good clip, um, you know, those those crazy price predictions of $10, $50 uh, could happen. But as far as the actual implementation of it, I'm with you. I think, you know, through 2024 and beyond 2025 is where we're going to see the the significant actualization of this DLT technology be implemented. Uh, and then the masses will be aware of it as well. Now, I want to talk about exit strategy and or not exiting, but leveraging our assets here that are going to be part of our generational wealth plan. I know a lot of what you're working on. So you run a community mastermind. It's called Beyond Broke Mastermind. Is that right, Jake? Yes, sir. Okay, so we'll we'll put a link on down there for people to get in touch with you, Jake. But let's talk about this exit strategy and or how to leverage our XRP. Recently, I just put out kind of a little updated uh, video on my exit strategy and how I'm planning on building generational wealth with these assets. And part of it is not exiting the position, but leveraging the position. Actually, a large part of it is because I don't plan on really selling much of my XRP. I know that some people attack me. They say that it's blasphemy to sell off five or 10% of my bag, but we're all in a different spot. And so I like to be clear that I'm not here to give you financial advice. I just explain how I'm building and creating and going to preserve the generational wealth that I have for my family. Now, I explained, this is what I'm waiting for, Jake, and you kind of alluded to this. I don't care if XRP stabilizes at $2, $5, $50, or $589. What I want to see is I want to see us get through this SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. I want to see regulations get passed in the United States, and then utility gets set free. And then from there, we can start building. So I don't care. Oh, we got the little one. Yeah, I'm sorry. No worries. <laughs> We're going to Saturday. pass a little bit of XRP, a little bit of wealth on down to him. He's going to be taken care of, isn't he? he yeah, I've, I've got a plan in place for him. But I said, we want to see SEC lawsuit conclude. We want to see regulations passed, set utility free. And from there, we can start to build. And I would expect price to appreciate. It's going to have its ups and downs forever, right? But we're going to build that new low and we can start to be a little bit more stable. We'll have price discovery already achieved. This thing's just been so wound up tight, pulled back like a slingshot. I want to see where we go, you know, and it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be a very interesting time as we're already seeing. So the exit strategy is always subject to change. But for me, a large part about this is leveraging my XRP once I know we've reached a price that I can actually use it safely as collateral or a bank is actually going to accept it as collateral because right now they don't want to use XRP or any speculative asset that's very risky in their eyes as collateral, or they're going to make sure that I weigh over collateralize to be able to give me a loan. So I want to wait till we stabilize. I don't care if it's $2, $5 or 500, wherever we stabilize at, and then we get set free from that point going forward is when I'm going to look at my options. Right now, I've said this to my audience, I'm not here to give you financial advice, but I don't trust any of these exchanges, any of these DeFi platforms that are offering a return on your XRP. Obviously, there's going to be way more built out once we get the XLS 30D update for automated market makers, and then we're going to have more options. So what I wanna see is the SEC Ripple lawsuit conclude, regulations get passed, and then I want to see who survives the liquidity crisis. Some of these banks aren't going to make it. 
let alone some of these DeFi protocols. So whoever's left standing after that, I think that they're going to be actually competing for our business, for us leveraging our XRP. What are your thoughts on that? A lot to unpack there. Um, so I'm, I'm currently in discussions with PolySign about custodying some of my clients XRP. Um, and in the discussions I've had with them, they will not be providing the collateralized loans. They are, they just provide the custody services, um, and the, the fund administration and accounting services, the settlement service. They're not going to compete against the people that are going to provide financial products against these assets, uh, but they will hold them for you. And so, um, I, I work with clients and we utilize infinite banking. We'll, we'll generate a whole, whole life insurance policy and we'll pre-fund it with a certain amount of money. And then we're able to go to Goldman Sachs or Fidelity and issue lines of credit against that. Uh, and you can draw that down. It's at a low interest rate. That will be, that's that's what I speculate this is going to look like, um, is you'll have a fiduciary that will hold your digital assets. Uh, and then you'll have another fiduciary that will issue whatever financial instrument against it. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, that's a fantastic way to do it because there's no tax implications. And this is how the wealthiest people in the world leverage their assets. They'll take the liquidity out of this, redeploy that liquidity somewhere else to purchase more assets or live their lifestyle or whatever they're going to do with it. So I think that that's a fantastic way to go about it. Uh, I'm hopeful that we can negotiate something here in the short term that actually, I don't want to say undermines your statement, but actually actualizes loans against XRP prior to the liquidity event. Um, we'll see what ends up playing out with that. Um, but that is what I'm working on right now. Like I, I, I would love to be the first person to ever negotiate a deal, uh, with PolySign and another fiduciary to get loans against, uh, XRP or any other digital asset, um, through a traditional space instead of one of these, you know, exchanges that, that aren't insured. Um, I mentioned this earlier on my spaces this morning on Twitter, each one of the vaults that PolySign allows you to have inside your account, and you can have multiple, is insured up to $70 million. Okay, so FDIC insurance doesn't have anything on PolySign and what they've negotiated. Um, they will custody your assets, and, and each one of those is insured up to that amount. So, yeah, I, I, I think you need to have a plan in place. And like you said, it's going to be different for everybody. Uh, if, if you're older, take some profit. Like, just be aware of the tax implications that you're going to have on the other side of that. And hopefully you've got it in an LLC or a trust, or you're working with your financial advisor, or your estate planners to offset and mitigate those tax obligations. Once you take that and you've, you know, or, or you're going to get into charity and charity, charity uh, or philanthropy, and you'll have a foundation and maybe, you know, you, you create a, a charitable remainder trust. There's, there's lots of different ways to go about this to, retain your wealth and protect your wealth. Uh, but you definitely need to be proactive on the front end in putting together an exit strategy that's specific to you and your family. And what can people be doing right now in the meantime? For me, last year, when they were in denial about the recession, I guess that it was politically incorrect to call it a recession, even though it met the technical definition of a recession. I put out a recession to-do list, and the first thing I talked about was income, making sure that our job is recession-proof, and or making sure that our business is recession proof, right? And I think that people right now can remain patient in the XRP community as we wait for this to unfold, as we wait for the wealth to come our way. We got to have a plan for what we're going to do with it. So you're talking about estate planning, building that out. But then in the meantime, I mean, let's double up the bags. Let's triple up the bags. Let's build these businesses. Let's build our side hustle. Let's get a, let's get a raise at our job because inflation's not going away. It's not transitory. And when the Federal Reserve tells us that we're going to have a mild recession, I take that as them saying that the middle class of America is about to get sacrificed, right? Now, maybe I'm extreme. I understand. We can't call it a recession, even though the technical definition was met. Uh, we're in an upside down reality where they're not willing to accept uh, or admit how bad it's going to get. And, and we're trying to save as many people as possible. The train has left the station. Everyone who's running behind us, we're trying to keep on pulling them up, pulling them aboard with us. But I think right now, people need to take advantage of the opportunity. Look at real estate, lagging asset class. So we still have a lot of pain, a lot of people in denial about real estate as well. They're going to try to squeeze as much as they can out of this spring-summer selling season. And then after that, all the Fed has to do is just leave rates at where they're at now 
and they've done enough. I mean, they're finally acknowledging that they broke something that was released in the Fed minutes this last week that they're acknowledging, hey, we finally broke it. Um, as far as when are they going to pivot, we don't know. Uh, we can't trust the Fed and we can't take them on their word, but they're telling us that they have no plans of cutting rates the rest of this year. Now, if they do that, that means we're, we're bleeding out in the real estate asset class for the rest of this year into next year. So in the meantime, Jake, what are you working on with your community and your members? What are you guys building out right now? And what are the opportunities that you see for us? Yeah, so that's fantastic layout that you put out there. Um, we've got we've got resources within the mastermind, um, the unbroker you see behind me, that they're going to help you scale your business. So that's what I do. My general consulting is I work with business owners to improve their valuation prior to exit. And part of that's profitability, right? So what can you do? What are the metrics within your business that you need to be tracking? Uh, how can you implement SOPs? Um, how can you drive marketing? How can you reduce churn within your business and make your customers stickier? Uh, what other product offerings can you add in order to generate revenue? All those things are discussed in the mastermind and the resources that we have there, along with um, we're putting together private investments for people to be able to participate in some of those vehicles that you just mentioned. So whether that be real estate, uh, we've got a PE deal that we're working right now. Um, we, we want the little guy to be able to participate in these things. So we utilize 506B type funds. So the people that have a pre-existing relationship with us in the mastermind uh, can buy into these deals. We're not, you know, making minimums at $25,000, $50,000. We've got five and $10,000 minimums where you can put your money to work um, and, and take, you know, negotiate deals on and, and participate where you normally wouldn't be able to because you're not accredited. Uh, we, we do deal with sophisticated investors, so we provide financial education and some of the other things that are required for that inside the mastermind. Um, but, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think developing your skill set, surrounding yourself with other individuals that can help bring you up and, and improve your ability to, you know, generate income. Um, that's what's going to drive your ability to participate in this wealth transfer and then also give you the skill set to succeed on the other side of it. Right. Right, that sudden wealth syndrome that's going to be fatal for so many people, right? And we don't want that to happen. And I think that you're doing a fantastic job with your community and what you're building out with your mastermind. And so, Jake, we are, uh, I'm, I'm basically, I've been planning a meetup with my Discord community in Vegas on XRP Vegas. So after the conference, we're going to have a little after party meetup and that's going to be a lot of fun. And I've uh, sent out the invitation to you and Max as well. And you're going to be bringing your community as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, other than meeting in Vegas for that after party, where can people find you at Jake? Yeah, so you can find me at uh, digitalfamilyoffice.io if that's something you're interested in as far as the crypto liquidity event being proactive in that regard. And then uh, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're on all social media platforms underneath Beyond Broke. And then if you want to check out the mastermind, you can go to mastermind.beyondbroke.com. Awesome. Thank you, Jake. It is an absolute pleasure. Guys, if you appreciate interviews like this, make sure to guys go smash that thumbs up, hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of our content. Go give our friend Jake a follow. And uh, if you're going to be in Vegas, hit us up for the secret spot meetup. Okay. Thank you once again, Jake. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me. Okay. God bless you all. We'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in. And all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.